I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. Hello, Songtown. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting podcast. Today, I've got with me my co-host, Marty Dotson. Marty's going to be talking about some of the common mistakes that lyric writers make. And we're not just going to leave you hanging there. Marty's excellent teacher. He's going to tell you how to fix these mistakes. How you doing, Marty? I'm good. Howdy, Clay. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk through like Clay and I are both right in the middle of our master classes, which we teach once a year right now. And so these things are kind of on the top of our mind because we're we're helping people work through these issues. But one one of the biggest issues I see uh, is a changing point of view. So and it can be either that in the first verse we're talking to the person, and then in the chorus you start talking about the person. So the pronouns switch from like you to her. And that's really confusing, yeah. but it can also be a, a changing point of view in that um, maybe in the first verse, the singer says, um, I just can't tell if you love me anymore. And in the second verse, they say, I know you don't love me. And so you, right. you kind of go, well, what is it? You know, is it, is it that you, you know, they don't love you or you think they don't love you. So, you know, you have to be consistent with, I, I tell people pick one emotion and let the singer have that one emotion through the song. So if the singer's angry, let them be angry through the whole song. If they're confused, let them be confused through the whole song. So like, you're you're talking about point of view from two angles. Point of view, the first case is pronouns. Mm-hmm. Don't don't talk to her in the verse and then switch to you in the chorus and start talking directly to her. And then the other thing is changing kind of the point of view of how you might feel about the person you know like i love you in the in the verse and you get to the chorus and i don't ever want to see you again and then you're like what's going on here what's right yeah Yeah, and you know a song is so short there's not usually room to change the singer's emotional mindset at at the you know in that song so like in the song i can't make you love me it's about unrequited love that's that's what the singer's feeling throughout the whole entire song you know she doesn't resolve it at the end and go okay i'm cool now you know and and have some magic transformation it kind of just keeps that one point of view and back to the pronoun issue you know if if i'm saying to you um clay i appreciate so much all that you do for songtown he is such a he is such a great leader you're gonna go who's he (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know you were talking to me dude yeah you know and that's what happens a lot of times in songs so i you know I always encourage people to check your pronouns and to check the emotional uh, point of view of the singer in in your in every song so that you're kind of making sure you keep all that consistent yeah i really think for me it helps that whether i'm really singing the song about this person i always try to picture some real person that i'm singing to and so that helps me always know that I'm talking to that person. Or if I'm singing to an audience, you know, and I'm writing a song so Darius Rucker or Kenny Chesney can get up on stage and sing to their audience, then I'm picturing the audience the whole time I'm singing. I'm not picturing Keith Urban when I'm trying to write a song to his audience. And so mm-hmm. it really helps to... And I find a lot of times when I'm mentoring writers... 
I'm shocked at how many times, you know, how many people don't do that. Like they don't really know they're writing a song, but they don't realize I'm writing this as a conversation to an actual person or an audience. Yeah. I try to visualize a singer on stage singing this song. Like, so as I'm writing it, I'm going, Mm -hmm. okay, what happens to the audience if the singer sings this song? You know, what do they feel about the singer? Do they think the singer's a jerk? Or do they think the singer's a, a you know great person and I, I wish I had a person like that, you know? And and so I, I think it that's a great way to think of it is just picture who it's being sung to and and keep that person consistent um throughout the song. It's great yeah, advice. There, there's a, a very famous author that wrote Carrie and the Stephen King. You might have heard of him. I've heard that he, guy. He says that he feels like people kind of have one person that they write for. Whether they're conscious of it or not, they're kind of writing to that person. And he said it's very important. So that early on, I read that. He has a book called On Writing. That's um, a great book. And when I read that, I just started applying it to songwriting and it helped a lot. Yeah, we should put a link to that book in the show notes. Yeah, we'll do it. episode, actually. No, that's great. You know, um, another mistake I see people make a lot, and I call these people the time jumpers. So they they go from past tense to present tense to future to back to past tense, back in the in the present, and it, it they kind of you know just all over the place. And you have to be sh- be sure when you're writing that you really make that timeline um, easy to follow. And yeah. you know, one solution to that there's a lot of songs that are just in one moment. So, the, you know, the song I mentioned, I Can't Make You Love Me, is in one moment. Yeah. Uh, my song, Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven, it's one conversation between the preacher and the the guy, the singer. So we don't have to worry about changing, you know, changing tenses or our verbs and what, you know, if we're in the past or the present and all that. So that's an easy fix. If you can, if you can make your song about one moment, that solves that. But if it's a story that requires you to move through time, you have to really make that clear. You know, yeah, the best advice I ever got from a Hall of Fame songwriter once, he goes, the best songs happen in one moment in time. Mm-hmm. And unless it's a story song, and then you're going to be moving time forward. But even if you're looking back, you're still talking to someone in this moment. And you might be telling them about something that happened in the past. But I think that really helps if you just realize you don't jump around in time. You stay in that one moment and that that will really help the listener. I don't think any of us are good to write a screenplay on like some of these modern TV shows. They're constantly jumping around and you have the visual to help you. You know, they're they're graying out the screen when it goes to the past, you know, and you go, oh, that's the past. Well, and nobody's that good in songwriting to time jump constantly like a screenplay and and, and make it make sense for the listeners. And, you know, I, I I see people a lot that, you know, maybe the first verse is in past tense and then the chorus is in present tense. And then they want to go back to something else in the past and then back to the present. And and it, it's better if you're going to do things like that to maybe make the first verse past tense, get to the present tense in the chorus and stay there. Yeah. So that, you know, you move time to, to now and then you kind of just stay in that moment. Cause he, and then if you try to go like to future in the second verse, then you got to get back to the present again (laughs) in a different way, you know? So just, I think being conscious of not being a time jumper is important. 
And then when you go, you know, start your second verse and like five years later, and then, you know, yeah. then it just like, okay, so you're, to me, that just starts sounding real cheesy when you're doing that too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another big issue, and this is a huge one, I think, is the second verse curse. And so it, it's when people get to the second verse and they just reword the first verse. So if people in Songtown have heard me talk about uh, song blueprinting or song mapping, and if, if you do that and you establish a sentence for what you want to communicate in each section, you can usually catch that. But, but if, so if, if I'm doing a blueprint and it's like verse one is going to, the big idea is going to be, I miss you so much. And then in the chorus, the, the hook is please come home to me. Yeah. And then my second verse is I wish you were here. Well, that's the same thing as I miss you so much. Yeah. You know, there's, there's really no difference in those thoughts. So I can look at my blueprint and go, oh, these are really, really similar. I need to figure out a place to go in that second verse that takes the, the big idea farther. And, and one way I encourage people to think about that is that, you know, your first verse introduces characters, context, and setting. Your chorus introduces a big idea. And then you have to ask yourself, and then what? Yeah. And that moves the story forward or the song forward. So if I introduce a big idea and I go, okay, and then what happened? By necessity, I'm not going backward because I, I'm, I'm forcing myself to think what is the next thing. And so that can really help you come up with second verses that aren't the same as the first verse. You know, this might be chasing a rabbit, but I think that's why, you know, as writers, when we write with a well-known artist, a lot of times we have to bring in what's called a song start. Mm -hmm. So we may write a four or five verse choruses to songs you know four or five different ideas play the verse chorus for the artist if he likes it then you finish the second verse with that artist and i got to thinking while that that works and the first verse you know you talk about the general stuff the characters the context the setting then you get to the chorus the big emotional idea and then the second verse an artist a lot of times can jump in and put a little bit of their personal um, you know, experience of their own life into it. So then it goes a little deeper into the emotion, into the story. And it, it's kind of a perfect setting for letting an artist jump in at that point of the song. And, and that makes the whole song feel like it was written for them, which it was. Um, and, and it's just a, a neat little thing. But when you were talking about that, it just hit me how, well, that's, that's how, you know, an artist jumps in and, starts adding that personal stuff in the second verse and it's perfect you know it's just a great setup yeah and it's it, the other thing that can really help people on second verses is to understand that verse one and verse two have a different job and if, if i think about it that way i go okay the, the job of the first verse is to give all that characters context and setting so that when my chorus and my title come in it all makes sense mm -hmm. i don't have to do that in the second verse because i've already done it and and so the job of the second verse is to take that big idea farther so i ask myself that and, and what's next or then what and then i can can move it forward but you know sometimes i think people think oh the verses do the same thing the job is just to get back to the chorus but i think thinking about it this other way is makes it a lot more clear because you're trying to accomplish something different in that second verse yeah and just like in the last episode we were talking about melody contrast 
Well, you don't just want to repeat the same idea in the second verse. You need contrast. You need to, to go in there and develop that story and in a way the same way you would develop a melody over the course of a song. Absolutely. You know, and there's one thing that, that hit me this week. Um, in my advanced lyric class, we are talking about um, bringing emotion into your songs. Mm-hmm. And one of the words that I've I noticed, in fact, we, I had four or five people out of my two classes that had the word no in their title, K-N-O-W. And what I was realizing as I, I looked at their lyrics in many cases was instead of talking about what the character feels, they're talking about what the character knows. Yes. And most of the time in songs, what we're really looking for is the emotion of what, you know, I don't, I don't want to, to just intellectually hear what the singer knows or what they're trying to get the other person to know. I want to know what these people feel. And if you think about great songs that you've heard, you know, they touch you in the heart. It's not so much that they, you know, flip some switch in your head of like, oh, intellectually, that's very clever. You know, it's that you feel something. And so I think a lot of times we use the word no or, um, you know, like, I know you love me or you know this or, or, or that kind of thing. And so I think it's important to watch out for words that are just intellectually you know, talking about an, at an intellectual level in your songs and make sure that, that you're, if you're using those, you're also attaching emotion to it. Um, the song, uh, the house that built me does a great job of, um, you know, that old Oak tree in the backyard. It's not just an, an Oak tree. It's where my favorite dog was buried. Yeah. You know, and, and so there's emotion that's attached to these physical things that otherwise would, you know, if, if she just talked about an Oak tree and, Oh, there's my handprint in the porch and, and all that stuff. And we never f- get what she's feeling. Then that song is going to kind of fall flat for us. But since we have both, we have the pictures and we have her, her thoughts, but we also have a lot about what she's feeling. Then it, it's a monster hit song. I saw a post on Facebook in a songwriting group yesterday and a person said they put their lyric in there and they set up that it's really hard for me to share this because I wrote this song about my daughter and I can't even play it without choking up and it brings me to tears. And I read the lyric and I was like, basically it says statements like you were talking about where he's explaining how he feels about his daughter. But the lyric doesn't make me or anyone else feel anything because it's not showing us. It's just telling us I have these incredible emotional feelings about what happened to my daughter. Well, that that doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it's not the same as my tree where my dog was buried under. I mean, whoa, everybody goes, okay, I can relate to that. So it's yeah. and it's sad when you hear somebody that that they're playing a song live and they go, you know, I hope I can get through this. It's so emotional for me, but there's no emotional content written into the song and the audience doesn't feel the same way. Yeah, and you know, like you said, you it's it, if I tell somebody I'm devastated, right. They don't know exactly what that means for me, you know, and I have to flesh out what that looks like. You know, I I can hardly breathe sometimes and I I don't eat, you know, and I stay up all night thinking about you, you know, so you kind of have to say something and then flesh it out so that people really know what you mean. Right. If you say, since I left, 
I can't sleep. All I do is, you know, watch the fan on the ceiling. That's much better than just telling somebody, well, ever since you left, I've been devastated. Right. Like you're, you're kind of showing it to them a little more than. Yeah. And I I think the next point I would talk about too, is I call it just the facts, (laughs) ma'am. And you know, so many times I see a, a lyric and it's got like great pictures and we did this, you know, like, we went down to the beach and you were holding your shoes in your hand, but, but there's never any right point. I mean, there's never any emotion to it. It's just, this happened, yeah. you know, I mean, almost like telling somebody, well, we went on vacation and we went to the beach and we laid there every day and then we got some drinks and then we sat under this in the shade when it got hot and I'm going to go, okay, what's the point of this story? You know, because right. It's a laundry list of, of what happened and that person will say to you, but this really happened, but it's not a song. Right. Yeah. So you can't just give people facts, you know, you can't. And, you know, a lot of times people will call it furniture or, you know, pictures in their, their lyrics. So, you know, I can picture the scene, but I have to care about the scene for it to be a a hit song, you know? So you, you have to tell me why all those things are important and, you know, why or why the memory of those things is important, why that sticks in your head, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, remember not to just give facts. And then the last one I'll talk about is um, not connecting the dots. And and this is a common ailment for, I think, every writer starting out is that we know the backstory. And we but we we leave out parts because because we know all of it, we think it's clear. And so. You know, I think it's great to check with somebody who doesn't know the story and say, you know, tell me what's going on in this lyric and and let them read it and give you feedback so that you make sure you're connecting all the dots. And if they can tell you back the story, then you did good. But if, you know, if they go, oh, I'm not really sure, you know, I, I gave somebody feedback today and I'm like, I'm not really sure what the relationship in these characters is. You know, I don't know. And they were like, oh, it's a child talking to a dad and i'm like oh wow i thought i thought it was two people that are dating or something you know they don't see the the audience won't see the video in your head so unless there's a music video that's they're watching every time they hear the song they're not going to get it yeah and you know you don't have to fill in all the blanks for people but you have to fill in enough that they can follow and understand. And and a lot of that falls under that character's context and setting. You know, if I, if I can establish who's involved, what's going on and where we are, if that matters, mm-hmm. then I've got a pretty good grasp on the story as it starts. And, you know, and then I have to, to build it. And then I have one other thing. I, I actually had someone in my class last week, we were breaking down two of my songs that were, have been number ones. And they said, well, those are kind of like, many movies and you know i can see it in my head what's going on and someone else said yeah you establish a conflict in the in the first line and then you spend the whole rest of the song trying to resolve the conflict and i thought dang i never thought of that (laughs) and but i started that's what's great that's what's great about teaching these classes like a a lot of people go well why are you teaching these classes and it's like we learn this stuff like because the way someone else sees a lyric or sees a melody could be completely different than the way we view it and so we you know we end up learning a lot of cool stuff that way absolutely but uh, you know so i was breaking down these two songs must be doing something right and everybody wants to go to heaven 
the opening line, I must be doing something right, is a woman is a mystery a man just can't understand. So we've got a problem. Yeah. The guy's confused. And we spend the rest of the song trying to resolve the problem and help him get unconfused. And uh, everybody wants to go to heaven. It starts off, preacher told me last Sunday morning, son, you better start living right. It's conflict between the preacher and, and the singer. So we spend the whole rest of the song trying to resolve that. So I think that's a really um, great way to think about your songs as well. It's like, okay, what's the issue in this song? You know, or, or is there any tension or um, problem going on? And can I establish that first and then help the singer work toward resolution of it? And that doesn't work for every kind of song, but I think that kind of thing can really help give focus to what, what we're trying to do. I and just replayed like four, three or four of my hits in my head that do that. Like, and I never realized that. It's pretty cool. I, mean, I know. I'm going to be more intentional about that in the, in the future. <laughs> My a song I wrote, songs I've written after that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to present the problem right off the bat. Yeah. So, but anyway, those are some of the big um, issues that I see with lyric writing. I think if, you know, if you address those five or six things we talked about, you're going to have a pretty good grasp on uh, fixing most of the problems that you have in a lyric. Beautiful, man. Anything else you can think of before we sign off on another episode? That's it. We'll have links in the show notes to uh, the book, um, Song Building, Mastering Lyric Writing, book we've written on co-writing, and then Clay's um, book on mastering melody writing. So thanks for joining us. If you enjoy the podcast, please uh, rate us, give us a review. That stuff really helps us. Share it with your friends, all that kind of stuff, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. We're going to leave you with a song. This was written by Songtown member Jim Carnes, and it's called Arkansas. Hope you enjoy. Hey, y'all, you want a cold drink? Do you think it might